Well, an extra $10 million is on its way to Hawke's Bay to help shift the silt dumped by Cyclone Gabrielle. This was announced recently by the government, but it's still not enough to get the job done. And the additional funding comes as the region's health authorities warn residents to take care to avoid the silt dust being whipped up on windy days. The extra government cash will keep contractors working for the next four weeks. They had been asked by regional authorities to slow down what they were doing to make the budget stretch further. Over 900,000 cubic metres of sediment and debris has been shifted so far since Gabrielle slammed the region in February. But there's an estimated 1.2 million cubic metres to go. Testing by the Silt Recovery Task Force shows the likelihood of significant contamination by heavy metals, herbicides and pesticides is low, but the dust can still be irritating when it gets in the eyes or upper airways. In a moment we'll hear from the Medical Officer of Health in Hawke's Bay, Dr Bridget Wilson, and also from the Growers Association to get an update on how fruit growers are going clearing silt. But first, with the job still to be done, Hawke's Bay Regional Council Chair Hinewai Ormsby. Uh, tēnā koe, welcome, thank you. Uh, tēnā koe, Catherine Koto Katoa. Can we talk about where we're at with the job? It looks in blunt terms like not quite halfway, but I'm sure it's not as simple as that either. Where are things at, anyway? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and, and you've... you've uh... You're 100% right. It's it's not enough and we're not even halfway there yet. Uh, so the job is enormous and we've got the Silt Recovery Task Force working really hard the last seven months to clear what they can in terms of silt and debris. Uh, the task force currently has around 860 jobs logged um, and with the extra funding of 10 million will only get us 50 more jobs completed uh, by the end of October. Um, so we have a long way to go. We always said this is not a sprint, it's a marathon and what I suspect is we'll be going back to uh, ministers after the election, whoever our local MPs will be, to advocate for further funding uh, to get the job done. October 15th, by the sounds of it, you'll be doing that. Uh, Could you just reiterate the number of job requests logged and then explain how you prioritise them, please? Yeah, sure. So um, currently we have 864 jobs logged um, and how we prioritise is uh, by ranking them from high, medium, low priority and the focus really is on those landowners um, needing to plant and spray ahead of the growing season. Now Hawke's Bay has always been a powerhouse uh, heritonga haukunui uh, and a fruit bowl for the country. Um, so we need to get back to that state. Uh, to do that, we need to clear the whenua and enable our growers uh, to get back to business. Can you give us an idea of just how long the process takes per property and perhaps explain again where that priority area is? Where are we talking about a lot of, of orchards and obviously with residential property attached in, in many instances? Um, just explain what's involved depending on what you're dealing with. Yeah, and that's a great question. Um, It depends on the property, how much silt is on it, but approximately takes about an hour uh, for a truck to arrive on site uh, to fill the truck with around seven cubic metres of silt, uh, then to deposit it at a a safe and responsible site uh, looked after by uh, the local agencies here. Uh, So that's how long it it usually takes per property. Uh, We've already had support from the government of $130 uh, for residential, uh, for access ways and for some commercial. Uh, So this $10 is a top-up 
over and above the 130 already invested in the region for this cleanup. So I'm just trying to extrapolate and we've mm. got one orchard say and, and, and again perhaps could we just talk a little bit about the districts we know how hard hit East Valley was in particular but mm. when it comes to silt where are the other parts of the district where it really is it, it has been a mire and, and you're just working your way through which are the main areas in a way? The, the areas that need to be completed are in the Hastings District Council area. Right. Um, so Kiritonga Plains, yes. uh, that is the focus area. Um, but within those areas, uh, there is a real need for the commercial, the growers, um, needing additional help to clear silt. Okay. And so let's just pick a grower and uh, imagine their property. And you've just told us that every hour you can move X amount how long realistically to do a whole property, a whole typical size property? Oh, it, it really depends on, on the size of the property and the silt deposition there. Obviously, every area was impacted differently in terms of silt. But essentially, to the end of this $10 million, it's it enables us to finish or complete 50 jobs of around oh. 200 cubic metres of sediment. And that leaves over 800 still logged, does it? That, that's that's oh, for a goodness lot. Sake. So, okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What effort has there been to secure funding that will see the whole job done? And is it disappointing that you're having to go back cap in hand every month? Or every month now, it's um, Yeah, we know it's important for the region. And we've asked for the influential political power of our MPs, of uh, the ministers in in charge of recovery across the country. Um, And so it's been piecemeal. Um, We understand that they have to undergo financial prudency within their own role, um, but we will keep going back and that's all we can do to uh, state our case and say, look, we need more help here. We're not even halfway through a completed job. How does the funding work? Is is it part funding by government and funding from uh, the, the district council or regional council or, or, or the landowner, or is it entirely central government at the moment? So at this stage, it has been merely central government. Um, regional and district council uh, do not have funds to deal with such a large-scale activity. Uh, for instance, Hawke's Bay Regional Council has been investing in stop bank repair, urgent repair, six kilometres worth of uh, stop bank repair. So um, we've all, uh, as councils, had other activities to deal with in recovery. We've set up the system, though, with the task force leading it, and it's a fantastic system that I'd you know, be really disappointed if uh, this task force can't get the job done for our region. So does the funding come to the task force? Who administers the funding? Um, it's Hawke's Bay Regional Council okay. in Hastings District. Yes. How much money is needed? Look, if 10 mil only lasts four weeks, how much is needed yes. to get the job done? Um, yeah, the last um, bid that we went for was 80 million. Obviously, we got 10 in the last few days. So we need another 70 million uh, to finish this job so that our people can get back on their feet. Yeah, no can anyway. Stay with us if you wish. Well uh, but thank you for that. Uh, that is Hinaway Ormsby. Uh, she is uh, with the Hawke's Bay Regional Council. She's its chair. Let's bring in our second guest. It's Dean Smith, General Manager of the Hawke's Bay Fruit Growers Association. Uh, morena, Dean. Welcome to you. Uh, tēnā koutou. Good to be here. Thank so, you. So just hearing it's the Hiratonga Plains at the moment that are the main focus. Um, 
can you just update us on where the, the, the fruit growers are at? My understanding is individual funding has allowed most to clear the rows between trees and vines. How are individual property workers uh, owners doing this? Well, look, firstly, I'd say that it's um, hard to generalise. So some people being able to get in there and, and make a lot of progress early. I yep. guess those are the ones that had access to capital and and others not um, quickly uh, i.e they were supported by their banks or that and so one of the mechanisms to support this has obviously been the the sediment and debris which was um, effectively a co-funding arrangement that was supported by central government and that fund enabled people to recover some of the costs that that incurred um, on a co-funding basis but it also enabled uh, a grower to put forward a forecast of the costs that were still to be incurred and so a lot of growers that are out there haven't had the opportunity yet to actually remove some of the silt from those properties. Well that's an issue uh, isn't it? There, are, are there piles of silt still waiting for collection? Uh, yeah there's a composite of sort of different scenarios so on some properties, obviously, they look great. They've been cleared. The silt's gone, um, which is fantastic. Uh, and then there are others where um, the work's been done to remove the, the sediment and debris from between the rows, uh, and it's sitting effectively on their property waiting to be collected by the task force. And then I guess the third scenario is where there's still silt, sediment and debris between rows, um, and people have got some funding allocated to get that work done. Uh, but that funding was basically provided on the uh, under the assumption that the that the sediment uh, or the silt would would be collected from their property as it has been for other landowners. Well, do they not have certainty over that 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 will happen? No, well, that's effectively the the, the guts of this 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 conversation really, and that as Hinaway, um alluded to, there are a number of jobs that are logged in the system that haven't been able to be attended to yet, and that new funding now to enable them to advance another 50 jobs, but I think that still leaves in the vicinity of uh, you know 170 odd jobs um, unattended to, and that obviously is based on the assumption that there won't be uh, additional jobs logged. So I think the imperative at the moment for the for the council, and I know that we're working reasonably closely with them on this, is to encourage those landowners that are out there that still have some of that uh, silt removal work to be done to to estimate the amount of silt that they're going to be removing. And log their job so that we can get a clear sort of uh, visibility of the of the extent of what's required. So I'm understanding now it's not as simple as someone comes, removes the salt, and then removes it from the property. In many instances, the landowner's done some stuff. I've done a lot of stuff, I should say, a hell of a lot of mahi. But but the salt yeah. is still to be removed, and and that is where again they're operating with some uncertainty as to when that will happen. Or, Correct. Okay. So effectively, there has been as as I said, it needs. It's an important point actually that you raise because the landowner has, in most instances, from, off their own bat, obviously spent a, a huge amount of money to remove the silt from their property and get it neatly in a corner ready for collection. Um, I need to acknowledge the, the support that we did get in that space from the Sediment and Debris Fund, which was co-funded. I, I can't remember the exact parameters, but I think they co-funded up to about uh, 450000 initially. So half of that was funded by government, half landowner. It was capped at that point. There was a slight movement upwards in the cap towards the end of the program or the end of that, that scheme. But, um, and then, but for some landowners, they've literally spent millions of their own money to get it 
to that point to off their property, but then the expectation, obviously, that that the that the collection from the property to the silt recovery sites is funded by by the task force. So it's uncertainty. It's stress upon stress so, upon yeah, stress. So it's a tricky. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So can we can we just Absolutely. also and it's uh, yeah. I'm sorry, we've got a really big delay. So forgive me, Dean. We're we're just out by a couple of seconds. Forgive me. Um, can can you just explain what the impact is for the season coming and beyond? Because of course, day to day work has to continue, and incomes have to be earned. Yes, absolutely. So. Um, I, I guess for a, for a, for an orchard that's looking to recover, um, any any silt piles that are on their property prevent them from being able to use their their property that uh, I guess in the way it was designed. So there might be headlands that can't be used, or there might be areas where tractors can't get down rows to 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 spray and to access parts of their property. Uh, and obviously, this has the potential as well to I guess slow down the actual removal of silt. From properties to get them to a productive state as well. So there's a raft, I suppose, of different scenarios depending on on where the individual grower is at is at on their recovery journey, but also the type of crop. Because we're talking about anything from pip fruit to summer fruit to kiwi fruit to veggies, you know, and some of the arable guys as well. So there's a whole raft of different land uses that are tied up in this, and so it's quite hard to generalise in terms of the the impact on it at a grower level. So that. The, the bigger, broader impact is for that economy's whole region, right? If this sector and sectors aren't yeah. firing at full tilt. Absolutely. And that's kind of been our stance the whole way through. This is obviously a lot of this mahi, as you pointed out, is, is funded off private balance sheets, um, a, a whole heap. More of it's funded off private balance sheets than from the public purse. That's an important point to note. Um, we have been supported. We're very grateful for that. Um, but effectively, it's our, our 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 argument to government has been it's a business case. Uh, you support us to recover, and then we will um, return the the fenua to a productive state that will create income, create jobs, and um and and help move the region and, and the wider economy forward. Can we just talk also about another consequence of those silt silt stockpiles that we're about to get the latest on the warning that came out rather went under the radar somewhat about. Uh, these Norwest winds getting up over parts of the country and it's sitting there, it's drying out over time. Uh, are you hearing any implications about any health issues from the silt, eyes and ears playing up, etc.? Uh, and, and what's your message about being alert to that? Look, our message would be to follow the guidelines issued by Te Whata Ora. Uh, there has been advisories that have been put out there. Um, you know, our, our our growers are very across the need for PPE and looking after their people. It's something that we, I think we do very well as an industry. Um, uh, and you're quite right. If those precautions aren't taken, then there have been instances where people have become uh, aggravated by, you know, different sinusy type things. Um, so we, we we need to be vigilant to it, and and that's clearly another potential perverse outcome if if these large silt piles aren't addressed. Is that that stuff just ends up blowing around? Um, I was talking to one grower the other day that has who has moved forward. He's got his property looking great, but there are large silt piles on either side, and um, you know that's 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 a frustration. It's just going to blow blow that stuff around, and and that's just not for the grower. It's for the wider community, obviously. Dean, uh, thank you. Uh, just stay with us, uh, if you would. It's just another matter I just wanted to, to raise with you, actually, uh, before I let you go. And this is to do with the risk of um, 
um, scientists and growers raising concerns about root rot. Can you just explain uh, the implications? This is this is a result also from the, from the cyclone. Uh, is this something you're briefed on yeah. and, and hearing about? Look, I'm not I'm not a plant physiologist, but I am reasonably across the issue, and that's another layer of uncertainty for growers uh, on the basis that. You know, after the cyclone, you look at the impact on on your trees and vines. Um, you know, it's a, it's a living system, uh, and a lot of those trees went. And I guess a lot of people were looking at them and thinking, "Looks like they might they might still be okay." Um, and I guess as they're starting to wake up and 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 buds are bursting and and blossoms out, it's uh, there's a huge risk that some of them won't make it through the next phase, uh, and that there is this risk of phytosphora uh, the you know in the roots which is going to basically just mean that the the trees don't have the carbohydrate stores to be able to 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 to, to come out of this you know they've been suffocated for so long they've had the energy to sort of wake up again but do they have the energy to sort of um to get through the growing season and so that's that's a big uncertain for a lot of growers and so it could have a huge impact on you know just another blow i suppose for some growers that thought they'd got through it uh, and then they have to turn around huge numbers of trees that have been lost, you know, later down the piece. So, yeah, it's a, it's an issue. Dean, thank you, Dean Smith, General Manager of the Hawke's Bay Fruit Growers Association. And just on the, the, the health warning it's issue, Dr Bridget Wilson is Hawke's Bay Medical Officer of Health. Morena Bridget, thanks for your time. Morena, Catherine, thank you for having me. What do people need to know about the dust from a health perspective? If these winds are, and they are, getting up and likely to keep getting up, what do they need to know about what the risks aren't, but what they are, please? Absolutely. So, look, we know that dust is really irritating uh, to the upper airways, the nose, the throat, the eyes. Um, But it can also have some more serious health impacts, especially the very fine dust particles. Um, So, for people uh, with underlying um, uh, heart or lung conditions, things like asthma, um, it can certainly, you know, exposure to dust can certainly worsen their symptoms. So, it's really um, important, particularly for uh, elderly people, very young people, or, uh, you know, people with underlying health conditions, um, that they do absolutely take precautions to reduce their risk from dust. Um, Have you had any reports of any patients who had been seriously affected or might have need hospitalisation over this? Um, Or are you still gathering intelligence, really? So, look, we're keeping a very close eye on our hospitalisation data, and so far we haven't seen an increase um, uh, r- risk of hospitalisation from respiratory illness, and that's really that's really good news. Um, but I am aware that there will be people um, with sort of lower lower end of of, of symptoms that will um, uh, you know will genuinely be be out there suffering okay. and, and not require hospitalisation. I know you're working with ESR, Environmental Science and Research, and with NIWA to understand more about both. Uh, the, the weather implications here, but also what's in the dust, and is this is, is there information that is reassuring about what is in the, the dust or not in it? Yes, absolutely. So, look, the Hawke's Bay Silt Recovery Task Force has done some um, some really extensive testing, um, and that's uh, allowed us 
to draw the conclusions that actually um, the risk of contamination by, by some of the nasties like heavy metals and herbicides and pesticides is likely to be very low. Um, we're still working with ESR um, to do some further testing around things like asbestos. Again, we think the risk there is likely to be very low, but we need to do the work to make sure that we can give give our community some reassurance around that and also the work that NIWA is doing in terms of um, uh, some additional air quality monitoring is really important for us to be able to um, communicate with our communities about what the impact on air quality has been. Thank you. Bridget Wilson uh, is Medical Officer of Health in Hawke's Bay and it's practical things if you're outside in dusty areas where where a well-fitting mask and N95, we become familiar with those and eye protection. Avoid exercising outside when there is a big dust bowl up and uh, just practical advice along those lines.